you're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyot, and Justin Baki. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Coming live at you for the second straight evening here, Thursday, June 30th. It is the exciting reveal of the Sound the Fo- second annual Sound the Foghorn Award Show. We'll give out a bunch of fun award fan voted awards to a bunch of wild players for their accomplishments this season. Before we get all t- get to all of that, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki here with you. A couple little news bits to take care of before we kick everything off. But as we always got to do, even though we talked less than 24 hours ago, got to check in. Justin, how was how was your Thursday? It was good. It's basically my second Friday of the week, my short work week. So coming up on a weekend off, uh, basically worked, went straight to my son's uh, my volunteer hours for his baseball, and now I'm ready to talk some uh, wild awards and uh, a little deja vu. I feel like uh, we just did this. <laughs> <laughs> certainly feels like it. Zeke, how about you, man? How was your Thursday? Yeah, you know, not much. It just was, uh, was biking around town doing some stuff today. It's a nice day out for it. Figured I'd do that, just get some exercise in. But, yeah, no, uh, it's nothing else notable. It's been a pretty good day. Yeah, I've been testing my mental fortitude to not tune the rest of this work week out um, with the holiday <laughs> weekend upcoming. Um, I feel like I did a pretty good job of it today. I've kind of, I feel like I've got all my work in a good spot half day tomorrow before I head over to a buddy's wedding. So, um, and then of course a really fun holiday weekend. And because we appreciate our listeners, we figured, hey, why don't we give them two shows to listen to um, on their way up to the cabin or family or wherever you may be going this weekend, um, some good content for you. Obviously, last night uh, we did spend some time breaking down the Kevin Fiala trade. Um, the Wild, of course, if you hadn't heard in Living Under a Rock, sent Kevin Fiala to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for right defenseman Brock Faber, the 19th overall pick. We gave our full analysis, breakdown, reactions to that trade uh, for the first half of the show and then spent the second half of the show kind of walking through the remainder of Bill Guerin's checklist for the offseason, running through some hypothetical trades, all that good stuff. So if you haven't given that episode a listen yet, encourage you to cue that one up uh, next after this one um, and enjoy some good discussion there. Um, We do have just a teeny bit of prospect news that we want to hit on here before we dive into the award show. So we will turn it over to our resident prospect expert, Justin Bakke, to give us uh, that update. Justin, floor is yours, man. All right, so uh, today it looks like the Wild Development Camp schedule was released on the Wild website. Uh, it's going to be July 12th, 13th, 14th. Uh, Tria rink, July 12th, it'll start at 9.20, <clears throat> second session, 10.50. July 13th, 9.20, second session, 10.45. And then uh, <clears throat> July 14th, 6 p.m., three-on-three tournament. That should be a lot of fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
uh, that should be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm pretty sure fans are allowed in all three sessions. So I already got my tickets to the Wednesday session on July 13th. And are they free tickets? They are free. Yep. You just, you just have to reserve them in advance. Yep. 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 It's got to reserve them. That's, that's all you got to do. They're, they're free and, and open to the public. So why not? If we have the time off and kids are off school. There you good, go. Uh, good, good good reason to go see some of these top prospects play yeah a pretty good cast of prospects i think pretty much every notable prospect will be there outside of um pretty much murat who's nadinov who i'm assuming is still back in russia right. um and then of course pavel novak um who we found out via his instagram um last week um that he has been diagnosed with some form um, of cancer and will likely be out of hockey for at least the next year or so as he undergoes treatment for that so we do wish the best to our friend pavel novak who of course had just a terrific we um you know whl season this year with Kelowna, um and then we found out about this diagnosis so all the best to him um so those kind of the main two that won't that won't be there but aside from that you have all the big guns marco rossi adam beckman jesper wallstadt ryan o'rourke carson lambos damon hunt um we're presuming we don't know officially but we're presuming that maybe Brock Faber will be there as well to join um, his new fellow prospects. Jack Pert, of course, from St. Cloud there as well. So it should be a great cast of players um, at that prospect showcase. Yeah, no, I mean, even the, I mean, I think they mentioned too, obviously, the guys they pick here in the draft should, uh, at least most of them should be there too. So, uh, you know, especially if they keep their first round pick, uh, it'll be, I mean, like, you know, like everyone knows, it's always uh, pretty fun. And as Justin said, it, good reason to go hang out at the rank for a few hours yeah i've i've gone almost every year since i moved back to minnesota just <clears throat> to expose my kids because yeah live in the twin cities why not have the time off it my oldest loves hockey uh, it seems like all of them are starting to love hockey so it's just good memory maker and uh, a good reason to see these guys up close because uh mm-hmm. you can say you saw them when they were developing all the way up to the nhl there you go. Yeah, and you neat. can't beat it when it's free. It's free hockey. Exactly. Um, at a great venue down there at Tria. So if you're there, go say hi to Justin. Zeke, I don't know if he'll be there or not. Zeke, if Zeke's there, say hi to Zeke. Um, I won't be, but um, I'll, be, I'll be there in spirit, living vicariously through Justin, <laughs> probably through the group chat <laughs> on Absolutely. the DM. So, um, so that's it for prospect news. Just a couple of tidbits there. Um, ticket information, I do believe, is available um, probably on the Minnesota Wild website, their Twitter page, anywhere you get your wild news officially from the team uh, should be there. So um, go reserve those tickets, go check out the prospects, um, and get a look at the future of this team because it is exciting. Um, but that's talking about future. Let's talk a little bit of past now as we reflect back uh, for kind of the final time this year on the 2022 season as we hand out our annual Sound the Foghorn fan-voted awards to Minnesota Wild players. So we've got, I think it's 12 or 13 awards to kind of go through here. Um, some serious ones, some kind of fun <clears throat> ones. Um, I think we'll start with um, one of just two um, votes that received a, a unanimous vote. Um, and this one, our voters were not given a choice for it not to be unanimous. Um, <laughs> we'll start off on a good note here. And just remember, this is all in good fun. Um, it depends this is, on who you are. It's a good note. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, Jordy Ben, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, but you are this year's recipient of the Martin School Award, um, who goes to the wild player who fans loathe the most. Of course, the defending uh, <laughs> award holder of this award is Victor Rask. Um, I don't think we need to spend too much more time on our podcast shitting on Jordy Ben. Um, as we have done it enough, but, um, you know, I think it's always fun just to throw that one in there at the end. Um, 
because there's always there's always that one guy um, that people don't like. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it was you guys that brought it up or if it was my roommate that brought it up when we were just talking about this him the other night. But he goes, "Shit, who's it going to be next year?" And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the I, backup. They have to sign well, a cheap backup. It's going to be the backup goalie when they don't sign Flurry. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Uh, congrats, Jordy Ben. Uh, you got some hardware this year, so maybe it wasn't all for loss. Well, um, if he was listening to the show. podcast, he just shut it off. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blocked and reported nope. for defamation. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go next to, I think, the other one that doesn't have anyone gripping the edge of their seats. Um, the other unanimous um, award, which it's not super surprising, um, but there's one particular listener, um, friend of the show, who I thought may may cast a vote for his boy. But he, um, if he did vote, um, he still voted um, with his head and not his heart. Um, but that is the Kirill Kaprizov, the newly named Kirill Kaprizov Rookie of the Year Award, of course, awarded to the wild player who fo- performed the best in his first full NHL season. The nominees were Callan Addison, Connor Dewar, Brandon Duhame, and Matt Boldy, and getting 100% of the votes taking home. The Kirill Kaprizov Rookie of the Year Award is uh, big, big love of the podcast. Matt Boldy, congratulations. Well-deserved. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, oh, sorry, Justin, but... uh, No, you go ahead. Yeah, obviously, I mean, this is another one. I'm kind of surprised that any of these are unanimous because usually there's always one or two. There's always winners, one, it but, seems uh, like, yeah. but I like I, I kept looking. I'm like, man. like I And, and the, per, the aforementioned person I was thinking about was Hoppy. We know he loves his oh, Kalen Addison, oh, so yeah. I thought he might sneak in there and just throw a vote to his boy Kalen <laughs> to disrupt the uh, the unanimous. But even if he did vote, yeah. he didn't vote for Addison. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, uh, I mean, we talked about this on the player grades, obviously, a couple weeks ago. But, you know, I think it was boldly. I think he had, what was it? I think it was pretty sure it was 39 points, 47 games, 15 goals. You know, as, as soon as he came in the lineup that, you know, it, it was obviously both of them. But it really kind of ignited Kevin Fiala. And, you know, as uh, Justin, you said a few times in the podcast last month or so, that uh, really helped, you know, provide a second score along on this team. And, uh you know, we all thought he'd be, he'd probably be best good, and, and we all thought he'd be a really good player. But, uh, you know, the fact, obviously, that he did it this quick is surprising. And, and obviously, uh, despite the short season, he even finished, I think it was eighth in Rookie of the Year voting. So, uh, just an awesome season for him. Yep. Uh, don't have much to add. Just, you know, if, if, like you said, if he played the whole year, I think he would have won the Calder Trophy. You know, he mm-hmm. comes in the first game, scores his first goal, ends up being the game winning goal in front of his family in Boston. Uh, can't write it up much better than that, and then can't write up much better rookie year than he had from the point that he stepped on the ice with the big club. Yeah, and I think for me that was the most impressive thing about Boldy, right, is I think a lot of times, especially, you know, those rookies that are 19, 20 years old, I don't think you expect them to come in night one, right, and be effective and be a difference maker, but that was Matt Boldy. He stepped right in. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, scores in the de- in his debut, but never once when he, as soon as he joined the Wild there in January, he never looked out of place. Um, I think the playoffs were maybe a little bit of a rude awakening for him, but we saw that, you know, we saw that with Kaprizov last year, and we saw how Kaprizov dominated the playoffs this year. Um, you know, it's a little bit more of an awakening for rookies in that sense, but throughout the regular season, like, he consistently looked d- dominant. He looked confident with the puck. Um as we mentioned on the player grades episode, tons of, of really good underlying stats to make, to make wild fans really hopeful um, 
of what's to come from from Matt Boldy. So, um, a well deserved honor here, and um, should be you know. Right now, I think it might just be a, a could be a, a one-headed uh, race with Marco Rossi next year. Um, as of now, I don't know if there'll be any other rookies potentially on the roster. Um, so his, his award to lose going forward, unfortunately, he will not be um, the third consecutive winner, should he win it, um, to score a goal in his NHL debut. Um, as we as he has played one game now, so but if he scores the first game in the regular season, maybe maybe we'll cut him some slack. So. We'll allow it. We'll count it. <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow it for sure. All right. Let's see where we go next here. Um, kind of want to save that one for last. Um, let's go here next because it's this one surpri- maybe didn't surprise me completely, but surprised me a little bit um, with the percentage of votes, and that is the Nicholas Backstrom Award awarded to the Wild's best goaltender. Obviously, just three options here. Cam Talbot, for the purpose of voting, we did include Capo Kakinen in this mix. And then, of course, Mark Andre Fleury. So three nominees, and um, by a pretty wide margin, Cam Talbot um, comes away with the victory here, amassing nearly ninety-one percent um, of the votes. Which that that was the bit that was a little bit surprising to me. I thought maybe the the late surge from Fleury going nine and two um, once he, or seven and two once he came over. I think it was in the regular season. Um, you know, playing decent throughout the playoffs, but. Um, maybe a, maybe a bit of a bitter taste from the playoffs from some people, or perhaps just not enough of a sample um, during his time in Minnesota. And obviously, I think once Capo Kakinen was traded for Jake Middleton, he became uh, a little bit of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's who I went with with my vote. I didn't actually vote on the actual page, but just put in my own vote for the show. Um, <laughs> I, I just feel like Kakinen got traded, so he was kind of an afterthought, like you said. Uh, Flurry did well here. It was just a small sample size, though. And, and you know, even though uh, Talbot had streaky points in the season, he's still that 13-0-3 stretch that helped us, you know, like we've mentioned before, um, really clinch home ice and, and play so well down the stretch is kind of what uh, drew me to that vote and uh, <clears throat> just too bad. He didn't get more of a chance in the playoffs like we mentioned, but uh, yeah, those are the reasons why I went with Talbot too. Yep. Right there with you. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I don't think there was a really, you know, anyone else that was really, obviously like the vote says challenging. I mean, as just mentioned, just the sample size differences, you know, way too big. And, and uh, you know, obviously he, you know, just you know, obviously wins as a goalie is sometimes tricky, but he did win a ton of games in that too as well. So uh, I think pretty easy uh, decision on that one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, moving right along uh, to our next award here, um, let's go next to the Derek Bugard Award, um, awarded to the Minnesota Wild player who most consistently brings energy and hype for the team. Um, the nominees for this award were Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Dumba, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, Nick Delorier, Brandon Duhame, Jake Middleton, and it does appear we also had a write-in uh, for Tyson Jost. Um, so a lot of players received votes for this one. There was um, a player who did receive a good majority of the votes, um, but before we reveal the winner, I wanted to get see, uh, see who you guys went with um, and why. Maybe give me your top two um, in this scenario, because I think to me there's two that were kind of the, the favorites here. But again, lots of players receive votes here, um, but one kind of ran away with it in the end. 
So this was for a most energy or whatever? Most energy, kind of the hype oh, man. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, obviously, my first choice was Matt Dumbo still. Because, um, I mean, obviously, you got the A of the year, uh, first season, is one of the captains of the team. You know, everyone knows what he does in, in terms of being kind of an emotional leader in the team. And then, uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, after that, I I mean, I you thought Mark Salino, too, a little bit. But I, for me, Dumbo was my uh, quick, easy choice that I kind of went to right away. Justin? <clears throat> I went a little different. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't talk today. I went with Marcus Felino. I mean, usually Dumbo's my choice. I just feel like he missed so many games. He's still a hype man, still an energy man, but uh, when I thought about it, I, I just feel like Felino's one of those guys that brings energy to the team and the fans. He's always there laying a big hit or scoring some sort of goal or, you know, standing up for a teammate or whatever, whatnot to, you know, get his teammates and and uh, the crowd fired up and then uh, kind of turned the game in one way or another. Um, his goal celebrations are so energetic. And then, uh, um, yeah, I just, between the scoring, the defense, hitting, fighting, I, I just felt like all those elements really was why I went with that vote. Yeah, I, I was with Justin on this one. Felino did get my vote for this award, but Zeke Dumba was my runner-up. Um, and the thing that almost tilted the scales for me for Dumba um, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a fight late in the year. It was Brandon Duhame. I don't oh, remember who he was fighting. But I think it was a game right about when kind of Matt Dumba came back from injury. And Duhame was fighting was someone. Right? What's that? It was when Fel- I think it was McDermott when he need Felino and that whole thing. That's it might have been, yeah. And Brandon Duhame kind of came flying in. And he's punching this guy right in front of the wild bench. And you just see Matt Dumba just <laughs> screaming at him. Just hyping him up. He's banging on the boards. Nick Deloria is on the ice like slapping his stick. I think like Jonas Brodeen is like staring at Dumba like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, But just awesome energy in that fight. And I like, I think that is who Matt Dumba is for a lot of these guys off the ice. I think, you know, I think if we got a behind-the-scenes peek, I'm into the locker room and kind of before games and stuff. I think Matt Dumbo would maybe get some more votes for this. Um, but in the end, it was um, the vote of the crowd as well. Did go with Marcus Foligno. Um, almost just shy of two-thirds of the votes for this one, um, coming in at 64.6% of the votes. Um, but Matt Dumbo, um, a pretty clear second um, with um, just about 18% of the votes. Um, and then Nick Delorier, um, despite coming in late, did finish um, in third place with 6% of the votes. Um, so I think a pretty good crop of three there. I think the three that most would go with. Um, usually mm-hmm. looking for those guys that are bringing the hits, bringing the fights, bringing the energy, changing the pace of the games. But um, well-deserved um, honor there for um, Marcus Foligno. Um, let's see. Let's go next here to... Um, save that one for the end plenty of options let's go next to um one that i didn't expect another one i didn't expect there maybe to be the majority quite as big um but it was um and that is the eric stall award awarded to the most improved wild player uh this of course does not include rookies the nominees were jordan greenway ryan hartman freddie goudreau matt zuccarello jewel Eriksonek, and kirill Kaprizov. Gentlemen, who did your vote go to here? Zeke, we'll start with you. Yeah, I went with Ryan Hartman, obviously, just because, I mean, the fact that he had more 34 goals, which was more than his combined previous, you know, three years, and 
Obviously, everyone knows the fantastic year he had as the kind of top-line center of this team. Although I did kind of consider Freddie Goudreau for the fact that he'd never really established himself as a full-time NHLer before. But, you know, I just thought the uh, going from a jump in seven goals to 34 in one season was, uh, you know, was pretty uh, pretty incredible uh, for Ryan Hartman. Second most goals in the team. Don't so crazy. So, <laughs> so crazy. For one point something million dollars a year. Yes. Justin, where'd you go? I went with Ryan Hartman as well. I, I agree with your sentiment with uh, Goodrow as well, Zeke, but it's hard not to go with Hartman when he more than twofold uh, doubled his uh, previous high of points in a season from 31 to 65. As Zeke mentioned, 34 goals when his previous high was, I think it was like 19, almost doubled that too. It's Awesome. He came up big in a lot of spots. He he was by far the most improved player. Yeah, I also went with Ryan Hartman um, as well for a lot of the reasons that you guys had outlined. Um, but kind of the one player that I was a little bit surprised didn't get more votes um, was kind of the other piece of that top line in Matt Zuccarello. Like, I think, you know, we, yeah. we were kind of waiting. Like, we signed this guy for $6 million. This was a guy whose previous career high in points was 61 um, back in the 2015-2016 season, he hadn't even really sniffed a point-per-game pace with the Wild. 35 points in 42 games last year, 37 points in 65 games in his first year here, and then he just explodes this year. 24 goals, 55 assists for 79 points in 70 games, a plus 21 rating. He ended up only getting three votes um, here, or um, three three percent of the votes. Excuse me. Um, in in, uh, in in this vote, and that that was a little bit surprising to me, because um, I think you know it, it got overlooked because we've just kind of uh, you know long associated now Zuccarello and Kaprizov together. But Zuccarello had a career year at age 34, and I think you know de- we definitely saw some improvements in his game. Um, but again, I did go Ryan Hartman here, as did the majority, um, coming in with 56 percent of the votes. Um, and then the name you guys discussed, Freddie Goudreau, um, does come in a pretty distant second, um, catching about 16% of the votes. And then Jordan Greenway, um, which was nice to see him get some recognition. We did talk about that on the player card episode or on the player grade episode, um, comes in third, getting just a shade under 10% of the votes. Um, but I, I was really glad to see some votes for Greenway too. Um, cause I think as we alluded to, we kind of recapped his season is that even though maybe the counting stats weren't there, we saw a lot more of the, of the Jordan Green we wanted to see in terms of a guy that was playing, using his size to advantage, going to the net, playing physical down low and a guy who just looked in general, like he was playing with more confidence as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think like, you know, it comes to this award. I mean, it, it was tough because I mean, part of the reason the Wilds are so good this year was the fact that <laughs> Half the team they had, had so many years. career years. So, <laughs> and and I think with you know with Zucker, you mentioned, but I think part of that is even if he didn't have you know seventy nine points before his career, I think you know you associate scoring and racking up the points with him more than mm-hmm. you do Ryan Hartman. Absolutely, so that's probably totally fair. that's probably why. But I mean, yeah, no, that's that's uh. I think you mentioned that there's pretty much been only a couple guys in Boston who, aside from him, who have been the only ones to score at that high of a rate at his age. So, yeah, no, very good season for him as well, for sure. All right, let's move into the next award here. Um, In honor of our beloved long-term captain who had his jersey retired this year, this is the Miko Koivu Award. Awards the wild player who best displays leadership qualities both on and 
off the ice. The nominees were, of course, the three primary captains, Jared Spurgeon, Matt Dumba, and Marcus Foligno, and then some additional kind of lead, de facto leaders in the team as well, Jewel Erickson Matt Zuccarello, Jonas Brodeen, and it appears we did get a write-in vote as well here for Nick Delorier. Where did your guys' vote go for the Miko Cuevo Award for the best on and off ice leader? Justin, we'll start with you. I, I went with Joel Eric's neck on this one. Uh, I just feel like he continues to be the model of consistency for this team. You always know what you're getting with him. I mean, he leads off the ice with how well he trains. You know, he's deemed Mr. September every year, whatever it is. And then he transfers it right to the ice, plays that very good two-way game. We all know his, you know, jam is on the defensive side, but when you add 26 goals, 49 points – as well, and then you're not allowing goals five versus five on that line. I, I just feel like he, everything he does is is a good example, leading by example. Even if he's not wearing a letter, he's consistently leading by example. Zeke, yeah, I went with uh, with Jared Spurgeon, obviously the new captain of the team. You know, I just think that we've seen not even just this year, but the year before, with you know how he's kind of uh, you know take almost in a way taken in. Crook, Presov, you know, as his friend too, off the ice, and a lot of other guys around the team, you know, always getting to doing stuff, and then obviously on the ice being the captain, and you know, it seems, you know, from a lot of the clips and watching games, it always, you know, he's always talking to guys on the bench, you know, going over plays, whatnot, and and obviously, you know, we all know that he's a, a great leader and a great player. So I think coupled with the fact that he had almost a career year this year, uh, you know, in in a lot of areas, I, he was my choice. Yeah, this is probably one of the hardest ones for me because, you know, we, we've talked at nauseum on this podcast about the culture that Bill Guerin has built here, bringing in mm-hmm. just tons of guys that have the ability to take over room, to be leaders, to set good examples. Um, and, man, like, it, it, it could have gone three ways for me. Um, the two names you mentioned, um, Drew Erickson, Jared Spurgeon, excellent candidates. Um, the two it came down to for me um, were Matt Dumba and Marcus Foligno. Um, I mean, I think Matt Dumba, you look at, you know, um, are you removed from the King Clancy Award, or is it two years removed? It might be two years removed. Um, from the King Clancy Award for his work with the Hockey Diversity Alliance, um, of course, speaking out about social justice issues. Um, I think that, that, that can't be understated for that off-ice impact. Um, and then you have Marcus Foligno, who maybe not as much on kind of the um, – you know, social justice side of things, but I think he's really kind of turned into this external voice for the team, you know, whether it's going on Russo podcasts or, you know, uh, shooting the breeze, the guys on spitting chiclets and kind of, you know, heading up these creative video ideas and different things with the social teams and kind of acting as comedic relief at sometimes too. Um, so he ultimately got my vote. I think, you know, part this award, I think can sometimes kind of go hand in hand um, with that hype man energy award. I think that one's more of the on ice mm-hmm. award. Um, and this is where you can kind of bring in some of those other factors. But for me, it was just the combination of just his vocalness. Um, in addition, I think being kind of that, you know, he's a lot of times seems like the guy they'll go to um, after a loss in the post-game press conferences and get his thoughts in. And he'll, he'll always tell it how it is, too. So I appreciate that. But um, this this award um, did kind of break down. Um, you know, a lot of different guys get votes. Um, Marcus Foligno ultimately comes away with it, getting exactly half the votes um, to win the award. Um, but Jared Spurgeon comes in second, getting about a quarter of the votes. Um, Matt Dumba, um, not too far behind, getting about 14% of the votes. Um, Jewel Erickson Eck, Matt Zuccarello, and Jonas Brodeen all getting about 5% of the votes um, as well. So um, I think if you're talking about um, the Miko Koivu Award, specifically Kirill Kaprizov, I think he gives it to Matt Zuccarello. 
um, hands down, um, his mentor on the team. But um, so many great leaders in this team, and um, probably an honor to win that award. Um, not that the Wild players are listening to this at all, um, <laughs> but um, this, a, a cool award nonetheless. Yeah, this, this award was actually really hard for me to vote on, and it could have gone with any of the guys that you went with. It was just it's good to have that many guys where you, you can think about them in that, that perspective. Yeah. This is one where like it, there definitely isn't feel like there's a wrong answer by any means. Like I feel like if a guy got a vote, there's a really good case to be made for him to be, to be the guy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Moving on um, to the next award, which is the Matt Cullen award awarded to the wild's most prolific veteran player. And to kind of simplify this a little bit, um, a veteran player was considered any player um, who was kind of on the tail end of their prime. So we set that cap at 28 years or older. Um, so the nominees this year were Matt Zuccarello, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, Ryan Hartman, Matt Dumba, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Cam Talbot. Um, I can start with where my vote here went first. Um, I went with Jonas Brodeen. Um, for this one, I, and I think part of the reason is I think people forget that um, he has finally eclipsed age 28 because um, at times he looks like he's still 25. But at the same time, it feels like, you know, I think that was just his like 10th year in the league, I think, or 11th year in the league, yeah. somewhere like that for Brodine. Um, I think he came in and started playing right at age 18. So um, but to me, and I think we've talked about it when, you know, he got that unanimous A plus um, player grade from us like. Um, Justin, you alluded to earlier with kind of Jewel Erickson being the model of consistency. Um, to me, that's Jonas Brodine on the blue line. Um, a guy that constantly gets tough matchups. Um, a guy that was put into tons of new situations this year, whether that was on the power play, whether that was on the penalty kill. Um, with all the Matt Dumb injuries, there was several times where he just had a completely new defensive partner. Um, and no matter what, he just kind of seemed to kind of lead that that back end. Um, you know, we can't talk enough about how we shut down guys like Connor McDavid. Um, you know, like Nathan McKinnon. Um, and to me, just to continue to be able to do that um, year in and year out, um, I think was just massively impressive uh, for me. So I went, I went Brodeen here. Yeah, I think, you know, I obviously, I did consider him as well, but I ultimately went with Matt Zuccarello, just, uh, you know, thinking of, like you said, Brett, 79 points, 34 years old, you know, career year, great playmaker. Obviously, the chemistry with Kroc Kaprizov, and uh, I, I guess I just thought, uh, you know, I, maybe you're not supposed to take in a certain age, but I just kind of looked at, you know, the fact that he was 34 and, and then, you know, did what he did. Kind of a little bit surprising, uh, kind of swayed my vote, but uh, it was, uh, you know, there was, this was another, uh, at least for me, this was another close one between, like, two or three guys. So. Yep. Justin? Yeah, I mean, this was a close one for, between those two for me, really, with how many guys I had career years you could have gone with. A number of guys as well yeah. like so many of these awards this year but i also like zeke went with matt zuccarello for the men, uh, reasons he mentioned uh, i mean other you know he breaks the franchise record and assists now you know kaprizov ultimately holds it but he he broke it as well and just just he was so good this year i mean we it, i don't really have to reiterate it because people know but uh yeah, to be on a 90-point pace, basically, at one point in the season is pretty insane for a 34-year-old. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the majority of votes were with you two as well on this one. Um, Matt Zuccarello is the Matt Cullen Award winner for the most prolific veteran player, um, amassing about 61% of the votes, and then a really close race for second place between Jonas Brodeen 
and Jared Spurgeon. Brodeen edges Spurgeon just a couple of votes um, between the two defensemen. And then Ryan Hartman actually comes in in fourth. Uh, Matt Dumba, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Cam Talbot each receiving a handful of votes as well. So, um, again, seeming like there's you know definitely three, four guys there that you could have made a case for and probably not a wrong answer. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's the key, I think, when you see those veterans continuing to produce and to be effective, um, that goes a long way. He, you know, whether it's mentoring the young players, whether it's contributing in the ways like Zuccarello did, um, whether it's adding the stability that Brodine and Spurgeon bring, um, always important to have veterans that know their role and do it effectively. Moving on, let's see, we did that one. Let's go next to I think the award that probably had the widest distribution. Um, of players that were up um, for the award, and that is the Nino Niederreiter Award, awarded to the Wild's most underrated player. Um, this, to me, would be in the eyes of kind of the national lens, international lens, so not necessarily among fans, because we know how to properly rate our players, maybe to the external eyes. Um, lots of nominees here, including Ryan Hartman, Marcus Foligno, Jewel Eriksson-Eck, Jonas Brodine, Jared Spurgeon, Freddie Goudreau, Matt Boldy, Connor Dewar and Matt Zuccarello were the nominees here. Zeke, who got your vote? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this was, uh, I mean, this one is difficult, obviously, because, you know, you tackle with, you know, most underrated thinking here or, or just nationally. And, you know, it, it's, you know, I don't know. I guess it just kind of went with the cliche answer again uh, with Jared Spurgeon, just because, you know, I think, you know, for years now he's put up, you know, the, counting stats and the advanced metrics that, uh, you know, really make him a top pairing defenseman, a number one defenseman, and, you know, probably one of the best 15 or 20 in the league. And, you know, it, it feels a little bit cliche and like typical answer, but I just think that, uh, you know, despite him, you know, bouncing back a little bit from the last, from last season and having a career year, just still feels like he doesn't, uh, you know, at times here and nationally, it just still feels like he just doesn't really get talked about much, if not at all. So. Yeah, I think the one thing that really comes to mind um, with, with that specific example and getting the attention, if you remember on the Matt Boldy debut um, when the Wild were in Boston, um, Charlie McAvoy didn't play that game. Um, and the ESPN broadcast made sure to bring it up about 15 times. Um, but no, who was not also playing that game was Jared Spurgeon. And I don't think they ever mentioned it a single time. Um, and I don't think there's a, you know, is Charlie McAvoy a great defenseman? Yes, but I don't think there's a whole lot of difference there. Um, when both are healthy between Jared Spurgeon and Charlie McAvoy. Mm-hmm. Justin. I went <clears throat> uh, with Jonas Brodeen. Um I, I just feel like we know what we got in him, an elite-level defender, but you, you don't hear him mentioned really ever nationally or anything like that. I mean, he's constantly against these top players, and, and you saw what happened when he's out of the lineup. He's, he's the capro. Ca- Kirill Kaprizov of our blue line, and uh, I just feel like he doesn't get enough recognition of it. I mean, he even put up career highs in assists and points, which we all know he's not an offensive player, but to add that on top of, you know, what he does on the defensive side of the puck is uh, maybe second to not very many. So um, I just feel like he doesn't get enough recognition either for what he does. I'm with you, Justin. I also went with Jonas Brodeen here. Um, and for me, it was like, I think the thing that kind of tipped the scales for me is there was a clip um, when Colorado was playing Edmonton in the playoffs of like Kale McCarr skating backwards and defending McDavid. I'm like, yeah, I've seen Jonas Brodeen do this for like the last five years. Like every time they play him, like Connor McDavid cannot score 
when Jonas Brodin is on the ice. He's just too freaking good. He's he's such a smooth mm-hmm. skater. Um, we talked about on the on the player grade show just how elite his underlying defensive numbers are. Um, playing against really difficult competition. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, and I think it's because the offense isn't always there that he gets overlooked. Um, I think there's the way analytics are trending. We're starting to see some more appreciation for the Jonas Brodin types. Guys like Chris Tanev and Calgary, I think, have really started to get noticed um, for their ability to kind of be these shutdown defensemen. Um, but, you know, the Wild have two of probably the most underrated defenders in the league in, in uh Jonas Brodine and Jared Spurgeon. Um, so I don't. I, I think those for me were were kind of the top two. Um, but a pretty wide um, array here. Um, Jonas Brodine does win the award, but just with thirty six and a half percent of the total votes. Um, and then a pretty close race for second. Jewel Eric Sinek actually finishes in second um, with about fifteen percent of the votes. Um, the Connor Duar agenda is in full force. Um, as he ties for third with 11.5% of the votes um, with Freddie Goudreau. Um, and then Matt Boldy actually comes in next, 8% of the votes. Jared Spurgeon only actually gets 5% of the votes. Um, and then Ryan Hartman um, with 5%, and then Marcus Foligno actually was 7% as well. Um, Foligno may be another name that could have been brought up here too. We talked about mm-hmm. um, how elite his defensive numbers were, pretty much second in the league only behind Patrice Bergeron. Um, when it came to shutting down other teams. So again, lots of options here. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't finish, you know, I don't think a lot of te- people like realize the wow, we're the fifth best team in the league this year, second best team in the West. And uh, that doesn't happen, you know, not, a, you know, outside of Kirill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, not a ton of superstars, but a lot of guys who maybe just don't get the proper recognition because um, they don't play in the East coast. So um, that one was really interesting to see just kind of where all the uh, all the votes went. But to the 11 of you that um, just furthered the Connor Dewar agenda, um, thanks for listening, and uh, I approve of that message. So. <laughs> I will say I'm a little – I think I our just, top – oh, sorry, Zeke, go ahead. No, it's, oh, I was just going to say that. I was I guess I'm a little surprised that uh, uh, that Eck was there in third just because, you know, the fact that he was a fourth in Selkie voting and all this other stuff, you know, it doesn't seem like, you know, I mean – I, I can see. It. I guess it's just a little surprised that, uh, you know, that he's was up that high. That was the the one surprise for me. Yeah, that's our agenda pushing through again. All right. Um. <laughs> I was, was going to say <clears throat> the Wild were listening with his contract. His one way contract. They're listening to our podcast. That's that's yeah. why I got the one way. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, three awards left to go here. The next one that we will do is the Marion Gabrick Award awarded to the Wild's most valuable player. Um, not a huge shock here where this one ended up, but the nominees were Kirill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, Jonas Brodin, Jules Eriksenek, Marcus Foligno, and Matt Zuccarello. I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time discussing this one. Um, I went with Kirill Kaprizov. It felt pretty obvious. Pretty much shattered every franchise record in existence for a single season, um, and the Wild would not have been who they were without him. But, um, yeah. So, Justin, who'd you go with? I wrote in Jordy Ben. Um Oh, fuck off. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, undoubted, undoubtedly, <laughs> Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, we all we all know what he did this year and, uh, you know, face of the franchise, MVP. Seventh in uh, heart vote, so uh, just there's no other choice. Yeah, Zeke? no, uh, same for me, Kirill Kaprizov, and I think, you know, none more, as everyone knows, uh, you know, exemplified by his performance at the playoffs, where he literally tried to 
willed the Wild to wins in that series when it was at times, you know, literally seemed like he might be able to win every game by himself. Yeah, I it was insane. That pretty much just showed, you know, he's obvious. It's, it's, it's not even close, really. No. Yeah, and I don't know those specifics, but I think it'd be interesting to look back at, you know, there wasn't a ton of games where Kirill Kaprizov didn't register a point, but I would be willing to bet in the games where Kaprizov didn't register a point that the Wild probably didn't win that game. Um, so valuable. Only missed the one game following the cheap shot from Trent Frederick with a little shoulder stinger. Um, just cannot overemphasize um, how important he was to this team. Um, just unbelievable season for him. Um, I actually spent um, about 10 minutes before we hopped on the show. I just watched a YouTube compilation of all 47 of his goals. I'm like, man, this yes. is so much fun. Four more years at a minimum of this guy. Can't wait. Um, but, I mean, especially, Zeke, as you mentioned, like when kind of those – and it's included um, his goals in the playoffs as well. And there was just like a couple of those shifts where he scored where it's like, yeah, he completely willed the goal that mm-hmm. shift, like right. fending off three guys, you know, busting his ass to get to an open part of the ice. Like, it was just unbelievable um, to watch. And this one, nearly unanimous. Um, 97% of the votes went to Kirill Kaprizov. Hey. Um, uh, 1% to Jonas Brodin, 2% to Jewel Eriksson mm-hmm. which fair that some people put the my right in. <laughs> and the write-in for Jordy Ben, um, but um, you know, I, I I would hear the argument for for those couple individuals that that didn't vote Kaprizov, um, but um, again, I think this one was nearly unanimous for all the right reasons. Yeah. Yep. All, all right, two left. Um, this next one was the one of the most tightly contested awards. It really came down to two players. Curious to see where you guys go for this one. And this is the Brian Ralston Award, awarded to the best non-rookie newcomer to the Wild. And there were a lot of them this year. Um, the nominees were Alex Goligoski, Freddie Goudreau, Marc-Andre Fleury, Dmitry Kulikov, John Merrill, Jake Middleton, Tyson Jost, and Nick Delorier-Zeke. We will start with you. Who got your vote? Yeah, I think, you know, you maybe could have made an argument for a couple of the defensemen on the list, but uh, I went with Freddie Goodrow just because, uh, you know, Freddie Hockey there, just because, you know, obviously, as I mentioned earlier in the show, he'd only played like, what, 100-something games in NHL in about four or five years before this, had scored, you know, maybe six or seven goals in his career. And, you know, obviously we knew coming in that he was a favorite of Gene Evanson from his time in Milwaukee. We knew that he was going to play, but... You know, for early on, it just didn't seem like, you know, there was much there. And, well, as we've talked about, some of that might have been the fact that he was got got the privilege or got the great opportunity to play with Matt Boldy and Kevin Fiala, I think. You know, even just the fact that he was able to keep up on that line and, you know, be good on the face-offs, be a good defensive forward, and, you know, still chip in the 14 goals and 40-ish points, uh, you know, in his first full season in NHL, or I, I thought he was a he was a fairly easy choice for me in this one. Justin, where'd you go? I'm on the same brain wavelength as Zeke. I also went with uh, Freddie Goudreau. Um, like you mentioned, uh, did well between 22 and 12. I feel like he made, you know, he was good defensively, was uh, pretty responsible there, but he also had some moments on offense where. You know, him and maybe Fiala had like a give and go where it looked really good or he scored a big goal here and there. Um, one for 50% of his draws, which isn't a high number, but higher than quite a few other guys Led on the team. Led to the most regular of the centers yeah. on the team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, had 
career highs in all the point categories because he got that opportunity and and I just felt like I was pleased overall with the season he had. Yeah, this one for me, it kind of it was probably the other really tough one to kind of pick a winner for. Kind of came down to three for me. Um, it was Freddie Goudreau, Jake Middleton, um, and actually Alex Goligoski was the third one I threw in there. Um, I ultimately ruled out Middleton just because to me the sample size wasn't quite big enough. Um, there wasn't enough games with Spurgeon for me to declare he was the best newcomer this year. So for me, it really came down to Freddie Goudreau um, and Alex Goligoski. And to me, they were very slimmer in the fact that they had good seasons, but how much of it was because of who they were playing with. Um, yeah. You know, Freddie Goudreau really didn't impress me all that much until Matt Boldy was added to that line. He clearly elevated both Fiala and Goudreau. Um, and then at the same time, Goligoski for me, um, you know, for a large ch- chunk of the season, I felt like he may have been being carried by by Jared Spurgeon. Um, but I think I alluded to this on the um, player player grades episode um, is when Alex Goligosi kind of got moved down to that third line. We saw him kind of continue um, to kind of be effective. And that was to me just the thing that finally just tipped the scales slightly in his direction. Um, led the team in plus minus, you know, not a stat I love to talk about. But ultimately, when you're on the ice, I think it was for almost 70% of the goals scored at 5-on-5 five five for the Wild. Um, that can't be overlooked. Um, I thought he added some nice stability for a good chunk of the season on that first pair um, and then was really serviceable kind of coming down the stretch, especially for, for an older veteran player. Um, didn't score a ton, but wrapped up a you know a good number of assists, contributed on the power play. Um, you know, I think w- when, when Ryan Suter left, I think the really big question was is who's going to fill that gap um, and I think for a good chunk of the season, Goligoski did a respectable job of that um, and then really found a good spot on the third pair down the stretch. So he ultimately got my vote, but again, this is a really close one um, for me. Um, and for the fan vote, it was very close as well. Um, coming in first, um, the majority did go with U2, Freddie Goudreau. Um, only other award besides um, one of the previous ones we talked about where the winner received less than 50%. Um, as Freddie Goodrow with 41.7% of the votes, um, edging out Jake Middleton, um, who got about 33% of the votes um, as the final two there. And then John Merrill actually finishes in third, about 8%. Tyson Jost um, in next, 6%. Um, Delorier, 2%. Galagoski, um, only a couple people agreeing with you there, 4%. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, 4%, and then Dmitry Kulikov with the bitter taste from the postseason, just 2% of the votes. But, um, you know, I think the other impressive thing is to have so many names kind of in that mix. You know, there was a lot of pieces that exited last year, a lot of new faces that came into the room, and to see a lot of those guys kind of step in, find their role, feel welcomed. Um, And even for a guy like Jake Middleton, who came in at the trade deadline, played whatever 20 games, I think, to finish, um, you know, as high up as he did, speaks a lot to... Um, just how quickly, you know, those players felt comfortable getting acclimated into the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think, as you just mentioned, Brett, obviously, you know, if all the, I mean, obviously there were, there were struggles at times, but I mean, if, uh, you know, if a lot of people in just in general, if all the, the new guys that you brought in seemed to do at least a half decent job, uh, you know, they, they, you did a pretty good uh, job picking out your players and, and doing all that. So, uh, you know, Props to Bill Guerin and staff for that. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised Alex Goligoski was so low because he was my second yeah. choice. You know, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, plus minus isn't a fun stat to talk about. Uh, one that's kind of you know it is what it is. But when you break the franchise record with a plus forty one, that's pretty damn good and something worth mentioning. So 
you know, amongst the, you know, like you mentioned him being brought down to the third line and, you know, just kind of elevating our whole core with that. It was, I, I thought it was a no brainer second choice. Cause like some of those guys, Delorier, Jost, Middleton, I don't remember if Flurry was on there, but it was too small of a sample size for me. Yeah. Well, another tight one there. And now last but not least, the most fun award that we hand out on this show the award that was most tight, tightly contested from the minute the polls opened, and that is the Pierre-Marc Bouchard Award for the goal of the year. We did come up with a hefty list of nominees, I think about 12 yeah. goals. Um, thanks to everyone who responded to my tweet, help crowdsource, um, and kind of, you know, hey, th- remember this goal, remember this goal. Um, got some really good nominations in there. So here were the nominees. Um, there was a write-in for the game-tying goal at Pittsburgh. Um, that Ryan Hartman scored. I believe that was Adam Beckman's lone point on the year early in the season to tie the game late. I think the Wild ultimate went on to win that game in overtime. Um, we also had the Jewel Erickson Eck, the silky toe drag in the playoffs where he picked a pass Ooh. off in the slot, beat Vili Husso. Um, there's the Dmitry Kulikov buzzer beater in overtime against Nashville after Jewel Erickson Eck absolutely manhandled Colton Sissons to win a puck battle and then get the puck over to Kulikov, who I think that was one of his two game winners on the year. Uh, we had a couple options from Kevin Fiala, one of them the Rockstar Zone Clapper from um, basically the goal line bottom of the circles against Philly, and then the one where he basically walked the entire Predators team, um, including the last move on Mikhail Granlin, and then beat um, UC Saros on a nice backhander. Um, and he was super fired up um, after that goal. Um, we had Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello with a nice little give-and-go play against Chicago. We had the French connection, Freddie Goudreau, the overtime game winner after the long stretch pass in overtime from Marc-Andre Fleury. We had Kirill Kaprizov's first of the year against Ottawa when Kevin Fiala fended off Tim Stutzla coming in over the blue line. Fenzimov sends over a one-timer to win it. Um, we had Matt Boldy, the first of his three in a hat-trick game against Detroit where he in nice little tic-tac-toe passing play. I believe it was Goudreau to Fiala. Fiala hit Boldy. Boldy made a great power move and then sniped short side over the glove. Um, we had Kevin Fiala, I think the goal that kind of snapped his scoring slump early in the year where he batted the puck out of midair, short side, top shelf, um, basically using like the shaft of his stick from like some weird wrist-bending angle, um, which was amazing. We had um, the little give-and-go on the 5-on-3 behind the net against Ottawa or excuse me, against Arizona between Kaprizov and Zuccarello where they pass it back and forth like three times and then Kaprizov stuffed it in. And then, of course, um, we had the Jewel Erickson at game-winning goal against Winnipeg in the home opener to complete the hat trick. So tons of awesome goals there. Like, listen, there were so many good ones, and I really had to sit down and think about where my vote would go. So I'm really curious to see which goal you guys ultimately settled on for, for this award. Whoever wants to go first. This was a really hard vote for me. They're all incredibly good. But ultimately, I went with the goal that Kevin Fiala scored where he batted out of midair with his shaft of a stick. I just feel like it happened so fast. It took so much high, high hand-to-eye coordination to pull it off. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just unreal. You see, see, saw him score so many you know, goals where you're like, how the heck did he do that? Like <clears throat> Even that clap bomb one against Philly. Uh, the rock star goal. That was my second choice, but uh, it just, he kept scoring these goals that were just unbelievable where you like kind of left speechless almost. Zeke, where'd you yeah. go? 
I went the same as Justin. I went also went with the Kevin Fiala's goal, as you just mentioned, batted out of midair. I did consider the uh, Freddie Goudreau from Mark Andre Fleury one in Dallas and, and Matt Boldy's goal against Detroit. The but... move that Freddie Goudreau made on that goal, I think it's overlooked because of the pass, but like mm-hmm. he did this little like pump, like he yeah. he walked the defender with kind of like a windmill deke and like faked the slap shot and then went like double post bar down. I was like. Yeah. Like, I remember watching that goal, like, what the fuck just happened? That was Freddie Goudreau? Where did that come from? Yeah. No, I yeah, that was a that, that, that was an awesome goal. But, you know, I, I think same reason as Justin. It was just the fact that, you know, the out of midair, and as Brett said, just the weird, funky angle, just as kind of a question for me. But that was a, that was a very hard one. And, uh, but, I mean, you know, that, the funny thing is for me is I, I remember all these. Like, I have an encyclopedic memory for me. Yep. So, I, it, it was uh, – but, you know, very hard because, you know, a lot of skilled players on this team this last year. Yeah. Uh, this is a hard one for me. I ended up going with the Jewel Erickson neck game-winning goal to complete the hat trick in the home opener against Winnipeg. And for me, maybe it wa- while it wasn't the most skilled play, you know, yeah. like the Fiala goal, to me it was the magnitude of the goal. This was a game where the Wild scored two goals late to tie it. We thought the game was over and Winnipeg scored an empty netter. It gets called offside. They end up tying the game. The Wild on the power play, they get up a shorthanded rush. Cam Talbot, who's been garbage all night, makes a huge save on a two-on-one shorthanded the wild go the other way, and it's Kevin Fiala, Jewel Erickson, and Kirill Kaprizov. Like the three players you want, they go tic tac toe. Jewel Erickson scores, and the it was the first game that the Wild had a full XL Energy Center since pre-pandemic. Like the roof blew off that place. Mm-hmm. I have never had my voice so sore. I was at the game right behind the net. And to me, it was just the magnitude, like everything, like the buildup to the goal and then for it to be a hat trick on top of it, like lost my absolute mind. And I think for me, that's just what tipped the scales. All of these were great plays, but to me, the magnitude of that specific goal um, pushed it over the edge for me. Um, And that goal was the winner for pretty much the entire voting process. And as the late votes trickled and trickled in, by one single vote, Kevin Fiala's dangle and then the backhanded finish against the Nashville Predators edged out the game-winning hat-trick goal for Jewel Erickson Eck for the Pierre-Marc Bouchard goal of the year. In third place, Jewel Erickson Eck's toe drag in the playoffs against Vili Husso. In fourth place, the Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello passing play against Chicago. In fifth place, um, the goal you guys voted for, the midair um, goal by Kevin Fiala, and then kind of a almost six-way tie finally there with the Rockstar zone, the Kulikov overtime winner after the play by Eck, the Goudreau French connection, the overtime winner, um, Caprisa from Fiala and then the Zuccarello. Oh, and the one I didn't mention, the uh, the uh, no look drop pass one timer against Anaheim that Kaprizov set up Zuccarello mm, where yeah. he looked like he had eyes in the oh, back yeah. of his head. Uh, right. Got a vote as well. And then we had a write in as well um, for I believe I mentioned the game time goal against Pittsburgh. So um, yeah, congratulations to all of the award winners to recap everything here. Most valuable player, Kirill Kaprizov. Best goaltender, Cam Talbot. 
best leadership qualities on and off the ice, Marcus Foligno. The energy and hype man, Marcus Foligno. Most prolific veteran player, Matt Zuccarello. Goal of the year, Kevin Fiala's dangle and backhand finish against the Nashville Predators. The most improved non-rookie player, Ryan Hartman. Most underrated player, Jonas Brodeen. Uh, Rookie of the Year Award, unanimously Matt Boldy. Best non-rookie newcomer, Freddie Goudreau. And the most loathed player by the fans, Jordy Ben. (laughs) So that's the awards. Gentlemen, any final thoughts regarding the awards um, or anything as we head into um, draft season, of course, which is exactly one week away. We will know probably the Wilds' first two picks by this time in seven days. No final thoughts for me. Just really excited about our next episode and the draft coming up here. Zeke? Yeah, no, same. I believe, don't aren't we scheduled for that on uh, Sunday, I believe, is when we're going to do the draft review? or Tuesday. Tuesday. Sunday will probably Tuesday. be the – that following Sunday okay. will likely be the recap. Or my – okay, yeah, I'm just looking at the calendar on my <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, no, anyways, just – uh. Yeah, it was. This was a you know show was fun. To just take a look back at last year with this last season one more time, and uh, you know uh, just a lot of the uh, you know it just kind of helped you remember a lot of the you know great games and great plays and performances from a lot of the guys this season. Because as we mentioned, uh, you know pretty much everyone across the board was good, really good to great uh, for the yeah. Wild. This when you have Dmitry Kulikov in your goal of the year nominees and Freddie Goudreau, you know it had to be a good year. <laughs> Um, I just want to give a big thank you to everyone who shared the post, um, gave a voice and voted again, help crowdsource with the goals of the year. Um, if you would, if you haven't seen, um, the thread, we do have a thread of all those goals, um, on our Twitter page. It's on the, on the pin post on our profile. So if you didn't get a chance to see all the goals, um, feel free to go ahead, look at those. It's good to reminisce. I've watched that thread over like five, six, seven times. I was just like, this is fun. Um, but yeah, uh, draft show should be fun. Um, again, we have a great guest coming on. We'll, we'll analyze, you know, hopefully my goal is to talk about 10 or so players that the wild could target, um, considering they don't move up and then just ruin our whole preview show. Um, (laughs) but hoping they stay around that pick area. Um, we'll talk about some guys that they pick there. So, um, as we always do here before we sign off, uh, Justin, where can everybody find you and all of your work? You can find me at the East 2004. You can find me at Caprice FC with the Caprice F countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Be sure to be following that. Starting Sunday, we'll be releasing our graphics for players we want drafted, starting with forwards, defensemen, and then uh, players that would have to fall to us. And Zeke? Yeah, as usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, uh, capital Z and capital B on the handle. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you are following the uh podcast icon as well at sound the foghorn all one word both twitter and instagram draft preview show coming your way tuesday but until then this has been another episode of sound the foghorn